When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. I selected this text, Matthew 8, 16 and 17, that uh, is a quotation, basically, verse 17 is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 53 and at verse 4. And both of these texts say basically the same thing, and it's some, somewhat different wording. The text in Matthew chapter 8 verse 17 says that he took our infirmities and he bore our sickness. In Isaiah chapter 53 at verse 4, and I'm, I'm quoting from the King James, that he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. What I'd like for you to do with me today is come along with me on a journey back to the time of Jesus and look at some of the things that were going on in the heart of Jesus and in the uh, feelings that he must have had when he was doing what this text says he was doing. That he was carrying our infirmities, he was bearing our griefs, he was bearing our sorrows, he was bearing our sickness. And in, in doing that, I'm, I'm going to ask you to take um, an emotional journey with me. Basically, when we talk about the Lord and we talk about our relationship to Him, we're talking about an emotional journey, our feelings, how we feel. And how we feel will determine how we behave, basically. So if we have faith in God, and that is our open channel of communication between ourselves and heaven, is faith. It is the carrier that takes us back and forth to the throne of God. It is the way that we relate to God is our faith. So when we're looking at things in the New Testament, we're looking at things that touch our heart. Faith is not something we see. Faith is something we feel. It is an emotion that we hold. And that emotion, of course, brings us into fellowship or communion with God. So what I'd ask you to do is come with me on an emotional journey back into the life of Jesus so we can feel some of the things that were going on in his life in relationship to these texts. Now these texts tell us that Jesus somehow carried our sickness, that somehow he bore up or took the burden of our infirmities. So he was feeling something for mankind. Now, in order to go back to that time, you have to put on your gospel shoes. Galatians, or Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God and where our feet are supposed to be shod with the gospel of Christ. So we have to put on our gospel shoes. And we have to go back and walk on the paths that Jesus was walking and see if we can't feel some of the things that he was feeling, at least to some degree, or at least recognize what was going on. Now, I want to talk about what Jesus was doing in terms of healing people and carrying their sickness. In doing that, we, um, we have to emphasize two things. 
There are two reasons that I can see anyway, and because I'm talking about people are talking to people who have faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm talking to you because I know you believe that this is what went on. So there were two things that were taking place when Jesus was healing people. The first very obvious thing was that he was taking away their problems, their physical problems. If a person was blind, he took away the blindness and gave them sight. If a person couldn't hear, he took away their deafness and gave them hearing, the ability to hear. If they couldn't walk, he told them to get up, take up their bed and walk. If they had a lame arm, he gave them a a healthy arm. So that's the first thing that took place. And what took place in that regard was that he was demonstrating his power as the Son of God over sickness. And so we can read texts like Acts chapter 2 and at verse 28, when Jesus said, when, when Peter said about Jesus, he said that God had, he had give him witness with signs, wonders, and miracles according to his own will to demonstrate the fact, Romans chapter 1 at verse 4, that he was the Son of God. So when Jesus healed people, the first impression that was had, basically, and I'm not going to really, maybe I ought to back off of that just a little bit. That may not have been the first impression they had. The first impression they had was relief. They felt tremendous relief. The next impression they had was, this man called Jesus has power over these sicknesses. So they, they had to recognize him as the Son of God, someone who had power that they did not have. And in doing that, in, in making that statement, first that I felt relief, it happened. The second is that here's someone who did something that nobody else could do, and now I'm thankful for that. These two, these two elements came into, the, into focus in the life of Jesus because it, it told them that the one they were dealing with was extraordinary. He was not an ordinary individual. Although he looked ordinary, he had, he had the form of a servant, he had the form of a man, he took part of all the things that take place with the human being, but he had power over sickness. And so he could carry those sicknesses. But think about it a minute. What he's doing is, it says he's bearing our, he's carrying our sickness, which meant that he was feeling that sickness. He was feeling it. Now that's, that's interesting. And as a matter of fact, that's powerful. He felt the sickness. Now, there, I'm going to introduce some words to you this morning. And sometimes these words get a little confusing to us because we've changed some of the meaning from the biblical meaning to our, our current, current meaning. But let's just start with the word compassion. Why did Jesus heal these people? Why did he heal the blind? Why did he give sight to the blind? Why did, why did he help the lame stand up and walk? Well, the reason is he was compassionate. He, was, he, he felt something for them. The word compassion in the New Testament is from a very difficult word. And I won't, I won't pronounce it for you. But it had to do with something that was deep 
within your being. Sometimes it's translated as bowels, something way down deep inside. Jesus had, he felt something for people. For instance, in Mark chapter 1 at verse 40 and 41, the text says a leper, a leper came beseeching, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Here was a man who was completely separated from society. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't interchange with anybody anywhere, and he had an incurable disease. And he came to Jesus and he said, if you can, if you will, you can make me clean. And the text says, Jesus moved with compassion. What does that mean? He felt something for this man, felt something deeply for this man. And so it says, he put forth his hand and touched him and he said, I will be clean. In another instance, in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36, the text tells us that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He felt something within himself for the people because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. In Luke chapter 7, referring back to this same instance, but Luke puts it this way. He says, Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, that is the, the, carry, the carry unit that they were carrying him in. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So this text tells us that Jesus had compassion. Luke chapter 6, actually verse 19, talking about this same situation, tells us that the, all the people wanted to touch him. They wanted to touch him. But here was a woman who was a widow, and her son, her only son, was dead. And when Jesus saw her, not the boy, he saw her, he had compassion on her. He felt something for the widow. And he felt something deep for the widow. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. So now we know why he was healing them. Because he was feeling something for them. His emotions. Matthew 15, 32. This is, this is talking about the feeding of the multitudes. It says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I won't send them away fasting. Now, he's saying, I have compassion on them. I feel something for them. And he was feeling something deep for them. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, there were two blind men along the way. They cried out to him, Lord, that our eyes might be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. 
So that, that word compassion is one word that we, we have to think about. And that is that it's saying that Jesus felt something for them. And you probably have this, some of the same feelings. When you see someone who's in trouble and you feel something deep down inside, you're feeling compassion. In Luke chapter 10, the story is told of the Good Samaritan. He came along and he found a man who had fallen among thieves. And the text says he had compassion on him. He felt something for him. Enough to pick him up and take him to an inn and have his, have his wounds dressed. It's the word, the same word, the word compassion, that is used concerning the emotions of the prodigal son's father. When the prodigal son came home, the father met him, and he was moved with compassion. That's how he felt. Well, we can, we can pretty well understand that. The centurion servant. A centurion came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. And he said, my servant is sick. And he asked Jesus if we, if we were healing. Now, understand that it's not the servant that's asking him. It's the centurion asking him, on the behalf of his servant. He's saying, help my servant. Why? Because the centurion was a caregiver. He's saying, help me, basically. The nobleman's son was sick in John chapter 4 and at verse 50. And so the nobleman came to Jesus and he said, my son is sick. He's nigh unto death. Help him. And Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Nevertheless, he looked at the man. He had compassion on him. And he said, Go your way. He's healed. So even though he knew the man did not believe completely on him, he had compassion on him. And you remember the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus, Matthew chapter 15? She's the one that said, when Jesus said, it's not good to take the children's food and give it to the dogs. And she said, yea, Lord, but the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You know what she said? She came to Jesus and she said, have mercy on me. My daughter is sick. Mercy on me. Why? Because she was hurting she was, she was hurting deeply. And there are many, many more instances where Jesus actually not only spoke to them. Now this girl was at a distance. And so when Jesus healed the girl, she wasn't even there. And when Jesus healed the centurion servant, he wasn't even there. It was at a distance. They were at a distance. But... On many, many occasions, Jesus was right up close to the people and actually reached out and touched them. He actually touched them. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought him all sick people that were taken with different diseases, and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. 
Now, I mentioned Luke chapter 6 at verse 19 earlier to you because that's the parallel to this. But it says here in Luke 6, 19, the multitude sought to touch him. They wanted to touch him. And as a matter of fact, they wanted him to touch them. They want to touch him. They want him to touch them. Peter's mother-in-law, when Jesus came into her house and, and all of his company with him, he came into Peter's mother-in-law's house in Matthew or in Mark chapter 1, verse 31. She was sick with a fever. And you know what Jesus did? He reached down and took her by the hand and the fever left her. In Matthew chapter 15 at verse 30, it says, Great multitudes came to Him. Now, understand what's going on. These people are bringing their sick folks to Jesus. They're bringing them to Jesus. They're throwing them down at His feet. And they're asking Him for help. You know why? Because they've hit a wall. Emotionally, they cannot stand it anymore. They have people that are sick and they can't help them. They can't help their brother who can't see. But they're trying to help them. And they're emotionally wrung out. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to comfort them. They don't know how to take care of them. They don't know what to do about their cousin who's a leper. They don't know what to do. They're emotionally wrought out, wrung out. And so they come to Jesus and they bring their sick to Him. And it says they brought the lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed, and many others and cast them down at Jesus' feet and He healed them all. Why? Two reasons of what we've already noted. But the basic reason is He had compassion not only on the sick, but He had the compassion on the caregivers. The people that were at their wit's end trying to help the folks that they couldn't help. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 34 through 36, they were in Gennesaret. And it says, They sent out into all that country round about and brought to him all that were diseased and besought him. They brought them. And it says, And then they besought him, Please, Lord, help us. Do what? Heal our sick. We can't help them. We are at our end. We just can't do it. And all that were diseased, and He brought them that they might only touch the hem of His garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. These were not long distance healing. They came right up to Jesus and they touched Him. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, it says, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, if You will, You can make me clean. He put forth His hand and touched Him. He said, I'll do it. Be clean. Be clean. There's a woman in Luke chapter 18, at verse 18, chapter 13, I mean. Luke 13, verse 18. She had been, she had been bowed down for 18 years. Maybe she had osteoporosis. I'm not sure. But her limbs were gnarled and she couldn't walk. She couldn't straighten herself up. And He laid His hands on her and she stood up straight. He had compassion on her. The point is, I'm making, He touched her. He actually touched her. Now when He touched her, 
Did he feel anything? That's where I want you to reach back and get a hold of your faith and think, well, did he feel something when he touched this woman? Did he carry her burden? Did he feel her grief? Jairus' daughter was sick. She was dying. And so Jairus and his wife came to Jesus and, and, and said, please come with me. My da- our daughter is sick. They were asking for a daughter. Anyone who's ever sat with a sick child, a child that's dying, incurable disease, just torn up inside. And they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, help her. But when it helps her, who else is it going to help? It's going to help Jairus and his wife. And so Jesus went with them. And he got everybody out of the room except his close apostles, Peter and James and John. And they came with him. And then the parents. And he reached down and took the girl's hand and lifted her up. Did he feel anything? What did Jesus feel? That's where I want you to, that's where I want you to come with me into some deeper waters. What was Jesus feeling? The text says He's going to carry our sorrows. Was Jesus feeling the pain that these parents were feeling watching their daughter die? Was He feeling that? Jesus felt deeply for these people. And I believe, that's why I ask you to bring your faith along, I believe that He literally felt their pain and their affliction. Now, I can't do that. I can only go so far, and you can too. But Jesus went further than we can go in these areas. Because the Bible says He took our infirmities, that's our sickness too, and our ill health. He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He actually felt the pain. How do I know that? Luke six nineteen says, The whole multitude sought to touch Him. And then the next verse says, There went out virtue from Him, and He healed them. Something came out of Jesus. There went out virtue. Now that's an interesting verse. In Luke chapter 8 at verse 46, when Jesus was on His way to help Jairus and His wife with their daughter, he, he was passing through a large multitude, a crowd. And a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. I don't know what the issue was. I don't know what it was. I, I don't really know what it meant. But I do know that it was incurable. She'd gone to many doctors. And so did, so did the woman who had the osteoporosis or whatever it was. They'd, they'd consulted doctors and physicians. It they, they was not curable. They couldn't cure it. But you know what she did? She touched the hem of his garment. And you know what happened? Jesus stopped and he said, Who touched me? Who touched me? Did Jesus feel something in his body for this woman? And they said, Look at all the people around me. How can you say who touched me? And he said, 
I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. He felt it. Hebrews chapter 4 at verse, 40, uh, verse 15 says, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched, can't feel what we're feeling. Let me warn you of something right away. Let me, let me just explain some things. This, this, is a very, this is a very complicated subject, really. This subject of feeling and feeling the pain of someone else. It's, it's, not, it's not easy to actually feel somebody else's sorrow and difficulty. It's not easy to do. You can, you can be moved with compassion. And you can feel sorry for someone. But to assume that you can feel their pain is really beyond the scope of what we can do as human beings. Now, two words in the New Testament. The word compassion. And then the word sympathy. And this is where I wanted wanted to mention to you that we get these things kind of mixed up. The word sympathy in the New Testament, the biblical word, is not the word we use when we use the word sympathy today. The biblical word is to suffer with or to feel passion and share it. To share passion or to share feelings. Now, we mean something akin to this when we say we're sympathetic. But the Bible word sympathy means to feel along with that individual. Now, take care of what you say when you talk to people that are having problems in their life. If you say, I've been there, I've done that, that's a cliche. The person that's hurting doesn't care whether you've been there and done that. That doesn't help anything. You say, well, I've walked in your shoes. You may have. But that's not sympathy. That's what we call sympathy. The word we use as sympathy today is not the Greek word that was used. It's not the biblical word. The word we're using today is watered down. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for you. Sure I do. And it makes me, it upsets me a little bit. But I can't really get that deeply involved with you because I... As a matter of fact, I can't tolerate it. If you want to drag me into your feelings all the way, I don't think I could handle that. I don't, I don't think I could carry that. And so a person that's an amputee, for instance, says, you don't know how I feel. And he's right, I don't. And I'm not going to. And even if I lost my arm, I'm not going to know how he feels. I know how I feel. And I know my problems, but I'm not sure I know his problems or her problems, whatever it may be. You follow me? I'm I'm trying to be sympathetic in the terms of, I feel sorry, I pity you, I wish you weren't hurting so much, I'm trying to understand what's going on with you, but I'm not really feeling, because I can't. If If I come into your feelings, your emotions... I'm not sure that I can handle them. 
Matter of fact, medical personnel are generally told not to get too involved with their patients because the more involved they get with their patients and the more they feel what their patients feeling, the less ability they have to take care of the problem. All of a sudden, you're both in bed suffering. You don't do anybody any good by suffering the same way they're suffering. But what what I'm saying is that that the sympathy we usually express today is what we generally term as pity. Pity. I feel sorry that you're having troubles. But I'm not feeling what you're feeling because your feelings are deeper than I can, than I can reach. I can't get that far. When I say I feel as badly as you do about this, that can't be true. I don't feel as badly as you do about anything. I have to protect myself or else I'll be overcome. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is that there's only one who can feel like you feel and as bad as you feel. And his name is Jesus. And that's what he said. I can do that. I can feel what you're feeling completely, emotionally. Now, as far as the physical part of it, when he was here... When he touched the leper, I believe that he could feel what that man was feeling in terms of desperation, in terms of disability. I believe he could feel it, but I can't feel it. I can't reach over and touch you and feel the pain that you're feeling or even understand the situation that you're in. And I can tell you things will get better and everything will look better tomorrow and I can, I can say all these things, and I can go so far with you, but Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burden, so fulfill the law of Christ. But the, ver- the, the second verse from that, 6 4 says, Let every man bear his own burden. The problem is, I can only go so far with you, with my feelings. Just so far. I have to have compassion. I can have compassion. Uh, Deep down, I can really, when I see someone hurting, and I see someone in serious difficulty, when I see a small child that has cancer, and their whole future is, is blighted by that disease, there's something within me that really is moved. But I cannot feel what that child is feeling or what the parents are feeling. I can't feel that. If I let myself try to get into that situation... It will destroy me. It will actually destroy me. I have to feel compassion, but I can't take that feeling, I can't take that sorrow, and I can't take that disease on myself. There was a book written in 1988. And uh, like I, I started to say a while ago, most in the medical profession will tell their students and their interns that you can't get all caught up in your patient's problems because if you get caught up in their problems you cannot help them get out of them but you have to have some compassion you have to have compassion but you cannot suffer with them that's sympathy that's bible sympathy that's what the word sympathy says and that's that's the word feeling 
that we read in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and 15 a while ago. Jesus can be touched by our feelings. He can be touched. I can't be touched. If I let you touch me with your feelings, if I were just transferred over into your feelings and your, your desperation, your despondency, your feeling of hopelessness, I can't help you. If I get that totally involved with you. But Jesus can. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to excuse myself. I'm just saying I can feel, I can have compassion. But sympathy, Bible sympathy, I can't do that. I can go so far. I can't, I can't step over some boundaries. And I, even if I could step over the boundaries and I could think that I'm feeling like you're feeling, and I can get just as despondent as you are and feel just as hopeless as you are and feel just as helpless as you feel and feel just as unworthy as you feel and so forth. If I start feeling these things with you, I can't help you. I can't help you. I have to have some feeling for you, though. I do. Now, back to my book. 1988. There was a book written by a fellow, a doctor, a surgeon, by the name of Edward Rosenblum. And it was entitled, A Taste of My Own Medicine. Now, I haven't read the book. I saw the movie. And the movie that was made was called The Doctor. And it was made in 1991. And it was uh, starring William Hurt. And in that book, and in that movie, it portrayed, Edward Rosenblum portrayed himself. He was a surgeon, and he got cancer of the jaw. And he had, he had been a very cavalier sort of a surgeon. He, he took care of everybody's problems, but he just didn't get involved with them. So he stayed above it. He stayed above the suffering sorrow. And he, he didn't want to get involved with the patient and so forth. And so when he, when, he, when he got cancer, he realized what kind of a hard-hearted man he had been in dealing with his patients. So he didn't understand or didn't, didn't take the time to be concerned about his patients when they were told, hey, you've got three months to live. He just told them. When he was in the surgery room, they played all sorts of music and they had all sorts of chatting and carrying on and joking and so forth. And the patient was laying there under sedative, dying. And their friends and family was out in the waiting room waiting. And these guys were having fun in the surgery room. And when he got cancer and he was treated like an ordinary patient, he began to feel what he should have been feeling as a surgeon. He felt like he wasn't being considered and his feelings weren't being considered. He was told to wait. He said, but I'm a doctor. I don't have to wait. I've got an appointment. You've got to see me now. No, they didn't. So he began to feel what his patients were feeling, and it made him a different person. Okay. So this business of compassion is there, and it should be there. And it, it, he, he was beginning to feel that as well. Now, I, I have one illustration for you that uh, involves our Lord when he should have had someone who had compassion on him. He should have had someone who stood by him and said, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm with you. That's all he had to say. 
He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22. And he was praying. You remember he was praying there? The night before he was betrayed, the night he was, but it was betrayed, the, night, the day before he died. And he was praying and he was in such agony of spirit that it said there were great drops of sweat as blood fell from his brow. Luke chapter 22, verse 44. In Matthew 26, at verse 40, it says, while he was there, his disciples went to sleep. Jesus was in great agony. He needed someone to stand by. didn't need anybody to commiserate with him. He just needed someone to be with him. And when Peter woke up, he said to his disciples, he said, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Just stand with me for one hour. Well, they went back to sleep. And in Luke twenty-two forty-three, 43, it says an angel came. God sent an angel and strengthened him. Sympathy is often thought of as being considerate of the feelings of others who are having difficulties. That's how we, well, how we view it. Bible sympathy was to share the pain. Wow. To share the pain. Now that leads us to another word that we use. Now, the word empathy we use is really what we should think of in terms of sympathy. Empathy means that I feel what you're feeling. I feel what you're feeling. And that's the word we use in our everyday colloquial language. So, when I say I'm sympathetic, I usually mean that I feel sorry for you, that I feel something for you, and so forth. The Bible meaning was, I feel your pain. I feel the same thing you're feeling. That's the word. S-Y-N is together. And patheo means emotions. I feel your same emotions. That's the word sympathy in the Bible. That's what Jesus had. He had sympathy. Empathy is what we think of in terms of what we ought to have. We ought to feel what someone is feeling to some degree. Now, let me give you an illustration of this in John chapter 11. Feeling the same pain, sharing the discomfort, feeling the pressure, that's equal to the Bible word sympathy, or our word sympathy. We use the word empathy, and that's what we mean by it. But in John chapter 11, let's just go back there and see if we can see something that was happening to Jesus that would involve this word that we would use today to describe what was going on. Empathy. In John chapter 11, Jesus was near Jerusalem, near the city of Jerusalem. And he had three friends, three young friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And the Bible says, that at verse 5 of chapter 11, Jesus loved them. He had a special place for these three people. The situation was that Lazarus had gotten sick and was dying. That's the boy. He was sick and dying. And they came to Jesus and his disciples with that message. They were, they were in Bethany. Jesus was outside of Jerusalem somewhere. I'm not really sure where he was. But they came with that message. And, and Jesus ignored it. He said he wasn't going. He, he, was, he waited two days 
And finally they said, you know, he's dying. We need to go see him. And Jesus said, no. Finally, Jesus told his apostles, he said, he's sleeping. They said, well, that's good. If he's sleeping, that's verse 14. He said, if he's sleeping, then that's okay, or verse 11. And then in verse 14, Jesus corrected him and said, no, I meant by that, he's dead. So Lazarus died, and Jesus let him die. And then they went to Bethany. Now, when they got close to Bethany, not into the town, Martha heard he was coming, and she ran to intersect him. When she got to him, she said something that that would tear your heart out. She said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, she put that on Jesus. Jesus. As if it were his fault that Lazarus was dead. If you had just been here. And Jesus said, if you, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall live. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, she said, yes, I believe that. But she, she was still, if you had been here, if you had just come when we asked you, he wouldn't have died. Mary didn't even come out to see him. Martha came back to Mary and she was, she, Mary was hiding herself, secreting herself. She wouldn't even come out to see him. Martha came and said, he's here. And apparently Mary decided, I better go see him. So she did. And you know what Mary said when she got to Jesus? She said, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. She said it again. If you hadn't been here. Now, you know what Jesus was feeling at this point? I'm not sure I know what he was feeling, but I know what I would have felt. I would have felt, I would have felt like I'd, I had let these folks down. And they were so distraught. Now, what I'm going to tell you is that Jesus felt something for them. He felt something deeply for them. Matter of fact, the text says, verse 33, he groaned in his spirit when he saw how broken up they were about their brother. Now, Lazarus isn't even in the picture at this point. He's in the tomb. Jesus is responding to these two girls. And it says he groaned in his spirit when he saw how deeply they were hurt. And at verse 35, it says he cried. Jesus wept. Now, we're talking about feelings. Can Jesus feel our pain? Well, look at what was going on here. Did he feel their pain? He felt their pain deeply. He groaned within himself. And when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, I've thought about this a lot. And I've thought about how that any man who went to his death would either go bravely or as a coward, whimpering or standing up and taking it like a man. And I know my Savior went as a man. I know he went there bravely. And he took the pain 
He took the whipping and we say, well, okay, that's the pain. He's carrying our sorrows and our sickness. That was something that was going on. But what Jesus was carrying with him, I believe, was, was our desperation, was our fear, was our panic, was our, was our pain. What are we going to do? How, when Jesus went to the cross, he, I'm, I'm sure he looked out at those who were around him these were his, this, this was his family. These were his people, the Israelites. They were people that should have accepted him and, and warmly re- received him. But he looked at all these people and he knew within himself that these people are in trouble. They are in desperate trouble. They are hurting. They're hurting desperately, emotionally. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And they're bringing on themselves problems that they shouldn't be bringing on themselves and on their children. And so hes I'm sure he is feeling all of these things. When, the, when they take him into the high priest and they're questioning him, I can imagine him thinking, what are these, these questions are nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting for these people. I'm hurting for their, their pain. I'm feeling their pain. And yet... They're questioning him, asking him questions. I, I think about this this way. If I were sick and dying, and somebody came into my hospital room, and I'm under severe pain, and, and I, I can't hardly imagine what's going to happen with my family if I die, how are they going to handle things, and how, what's going to go on with them, and how's everything going to happen, and, and what, you know, what's going to happen when I leave? And somebody comes in and says, hey, I heard you say something the other day. I'd like to question you about that. I think, you're in the wrong room. Go somewhere else. I've got bigger problems, bigger fish to fry than you. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to face the future and how my family's going to get along without me. And you're here asking me what I said three years ago. And that's what they were doing with Jesus. Hey, we heard you say something about the temple. Hey, we heard you that you said you were the Son of God. Jesus is thinking, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about what everybody else is feeling and the pain they're going to suffer and the pain they're suffering at that time. I know he's thinking about that because when they put him on the cross, you know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They were in desperate situations, desperate circumstances, and he was hurting not for himself, he was hurting for them, and he was hurting for me. Cast all your cares upon him, we're told, for he cares for you. When Jesus went through the city of Jerusalem carrying the implement of his death, there were women crying in the pathway as he passed by. And you know what he told them? He said, women, weep not for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Who was Jesus thinking about? They were going to kill him. They were going to put him on the cross. They were going to put nails in his hands and his feet. They were going to hang him there to die. And he's thinking, don't, don't feel bad for me. Feel bad for yourself. Cast all your cares upon Him. How can I cast my cares upon Jesus? Does He know what it feels like to uh, lose the most precious person 
in this life? Does he know how that feels? Well, he sat by Jairus and his wife, and he knew how that felt. He knew how they felt. He knows how you feel. Does he know how it feels to be betrayed and abandoned? Yes, he does, and he knows how you feel when that's how how you're feeling. Does he know how it feels to be confined to your bed? He certainly does, because he raised people that were confined to their bed, and he did it because he felt compassion for them, and he felt their problems. Does Does he know how empty and shallow we feel when we don't measure up to the standards that our neighbors set for us? Does he know how desperate we can feel, how depressed we can feel? Does he know, can Jesus be touched with the feelings of my infirmity? Certainly he can be. You know what would be most simpler, most simpler, most simpler and easier for Jesus? Now, it would be for him to simply do away with all suffering. That's the easiest thing. If you were a medical doctor and you came across an individual that you loved deeply and they were sick and their family was gathered around them, the family was suffering with them, what would be easier for you to do? What would be the easiest thing for you to do? If you had the power to cure that sickness, how easy would it be for you to ease that pain and ease your own pain because you feel so deeply for them. Take the sickness away. Sure, that's the easiest thing to do, isn't it? Take the sickness away. What's the easiest thing for God to do now, for Jesus to do right now? What would be the easiest thing for Him to do? Just eliminate all sickness. Why? Because He is suffering right now when you suffer. How do I know that? How do I know he hurts when you're hurting? In Matthew chapter 25, there's a, there's a uh, scene, a judgment scene. And in that judgment scene, Jesus said, he's going to take the sheep and put them on the right and the goats on the left. And he said to those on the right, he said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. They said, when did we do that? He said, when you did it one of the, to one of these least ones, you did it unto me. So, how, do Jesus, how does Jesus know and how does Jesus feel when one of his children is sick? Because he said, when I was sick. And they said, when were you sick? He said, when one of my, one of my little ones was sick. One of my believers, one of my children sick. One of those who believed on me. So Jesus knows when you're hurting. As a matter of fact, he can feel that pain. And wouldn't it be easier for him simply to do away with the cause of all sickness and death and suffering and say, okay, nobody's going to hurt anymore. You'll never have a heartache. You'll never wake up in the morning with a down feeling. You'll never wake up doubting that, that tomorrow's going to be okay. You'll never have a feeling of hopelessness. You'll never have a feeling of helplessness. All of a sudden, everything will be bright and shiny and, shiny and, and sparkly for you. Everything's going to be okay. Now, God can do that. Jesus can do that. 
He can't. You know, they didn't bring people to Jesus that were happy and, and uh, enjoying life. They brought everybody who was sick and sorrowful to Jesus. And he took care of them. He made them happy. He blessed them. But now what would be easier for Jesus to do? To take care of all diseases? Or to carry your pain throughout eternity? Or even carry your pain until time ends? I'll tell you what, if, if a doctor was given that choice, you can either cure the disease or you can sit with these people and endure their suffering with them. I know what the doctor would do if he had the cure. He'd cure it. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 9, the first, first eight verses. They brought a man sick to Jesus. He was on a pallet. They took the the uh, tiles off the roof, and let him down. The people brought him. There were people suffering with this guy. And they, were, they, they, they brought him because he couldn't come of his own. So their, their pain was his pain too. They were all in pain. And Jesus told them that. He said, your sin has forgiven you. And they, they, uh, they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus said, what's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven you or take up your bed and walk. Well, obviously, they thought it's easier if you say your sins are forgiven you. But it wasn't, was it? Let's take the same doctor. And here's a guy who's got three months left to live. He's got incurable cancer. And he's given the choice. What is easier for this man? To cure your cancer, I've got the cure here. Or to tell you to go home and be nice to your wife. What's easier? Be a good guy. Quit, quit hurting people. Quit, quit making people uncomfortable. Quit, quit hurting other people. Be nice to your wife. Quit cursing. Quit acting like a spoiled brat. Go home and be a good man. Or... Give him the shot and cure his cancer. Which is easiest? I'll tell you what's easiest. If he had the cure, he'd cure the guy's cancer. Trying to get the guy to change would be something else. So that's what Jesus is saying. What's easier? To say, take up your bed and walk? Or to forgive your sins? Well, obviously, it's easier to take up your bed and walk. Now, why doesn't God... Eliminate all disease and all problems and all suffering. Why is Jesus still carrying that burden for us? It would be easier for him just to eliminate the problem, wouldn't it? Get us to heaven right now. Take care of everything right now and let's go to heaven. Let's stop all this. You don't have to hurt anymore. That's easier, isn't it? But you know what the Bible says? 2 Peter 3 at verse 9, Peter said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, as long as there's one person here left that will render obedience to God and go to heaven with Him. He's not going to shut us down. He's not going to stop it. That's what He says. That's the promise. One who will repent but that everyone should repent. Does God care? 
When you're hurting, yes. Does Jesus care? Yes. Does he share your pain? Yes. He can. And he's the only one who can share it. There are others who can help along the way. But Jesus is the one who said, I'll take that burden. I'll carry it for you and with you.